look, I don't care what your rank is. If you're an ensign and you're in charge of a project, that's fine. All I ask is that you have a rank. But yeah, it, he hasn't even, he's not even a cadet. No, he hasn't he's been just to a the kid. academy. He's failed the exam to get into the academy. So why am I taking orders from somebody who might never get in? Did you know that his mum made that jumper? <laughs> really? It's not even a uniform. That doesn't surprise me. That doesn't surprise me in the least. But yeah, I don't care. Like, oh, it's a planetary survey. Like, put, put there are there are there are cadets on board this ship, actual cadets and actual ensigns who need this sort of training. We know that for a fact. They've got a Starfleet career. I'll happily do do it for any one of them. I'm just not doing it for the son of the woman that the captain wants to fuck. Right? <laughs> Podcasts. A Frontier. These are the voyages of the podcast Captain Slug. It's ongoing mission to explore strange new episodes, to seek out new jokes and new references, to split infinitives that no one has split before. Captain Slog, Stardate 40. Uh, these are the continued adventures of me, Eddie Edwards, and Mark Bench as we work our way through all of Star Trek Next Generation. Uh, Mark, Mark, how, how you been? Yeah. Right, okay, yeah, me too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Excited uh, to be here. I could tell from the look on your face. Uh, <laughs> uh, I haven't had a haircut for a while. Oh. I've I've started going to. I'm, I'm still. Is that your big news from the week? I have continued to not have a haircut. <laughs> your... Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I, I I'm still going to the same barbers, but I'm not going to the woman who continually points out my bald spot. I'm just going. I'm going to the other guy that works in there. But it's really awkward because every time I go in there, I time it such where she is finishing someone's haircut and your man. Whose name I I I always I'm I'm really bad with names. Like I'm really I'm really bad with like here's some things I'm really bad with. I'm really bad with names or remembering if you have any siblings or what you do for a living or your hobbies and interests or basically I don't give a fuck really on a on a on a level about, about anything about, about you <laughs> as a person other than your opinions about things that I also care about <laughs> which is it's not intentional that's just how my my brain works I just find it difficult to internalize information that I don't personally find interesting so when I when I forget your name and I forget your fucking parents names and I forget where you're from it's not personal it's just that none of that information is as interesting to me as whether you think T1 is better than T2. Because even if you have a different opinion from me, I will remember and respect that. I will not respect your children's names, right? I don't care. Until they're old enough to have a fucking opinion. It's just not it's just not going to internalise. And I think my journey... I think my mental health... <laughs> <laughs> and personal journey in my 30s is like... Learning to live with that. Because... And from my teens into my 20s, I've obviously always realised that this is a problem and it, it keeps me awake at night thinking, oh my God, will people think that I'm an asshole just because I'm an asshole? Um, <laughs> I, it's really, it really gets me. So I think in my 30s, my, 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 my personal journey is just to, just, just really to learn to embrace it, just to set straight up. I mean, it's a good thing that I have a fiancé and I don't have to fucking date anymore like like because like, i'd basically just have to start on a first date by going hi i'm mark it'd be weird that we're on a date we haven't met each other before but hi i'm mark just be aware that basically every story that you tell me from now until death you're likely going to have to repeat 
unless it's about <laughs> a very specific set of circumstances or 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 contains enough extraneous detail about other things that I'm able to piece it together from like like when I'm like oh that's right I remember talking to your um oh yeah I, rem- I remember talking to someone about uh about terminator and oh yeah someone was telling me someone showed me like a like a Super Mega Drive game box that, that they kept in their house that 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 they like wanted that they'd been given by their dad and oh yeah I remember that person was a Hufflepuff that was quite a good funeral for a grandparent wasn't it? <laughs> sort of I'm, no, I'm with you if if you want me to remember important details about your life like like when your parents died you need to like let me know that it happened the weekend the Matrix came out yeah <laughs> and I but. Because I'm with you. I, I, I'm I feel the same bad about I it. have the same. Yeah, I'm the same. I have the thing where I have real trouble remembering stuff like that, and I'd like to pretend that I could like argue with people. Oh, my brain just doesn't work that way. I'm just not good at like remembering that information. But if that's true, why do I know so much about Dan Aykroyd? Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's obviously the bit, the bit of my brain is there. I just I don't I don't get emotionally invested in the lives of real people to the same extent that I do to fictional characters. Yeah, because, uh, you know, I mean, it's all very well and good for us to, to sit here, white men, talking about our problems. Um, and also, in some ways, picking ourselves up. But I I am, I like to think, an incredibly empathetic person. Uh, I can basically, I like to think that I can see things from anyone's perspective and understand why they think the way that they do. I just don't care that you have a dog. Dogs are, <laughs> everyone has a fucking dog. I don't really particularly like dogs. So you telling me that your dog is special is essentially just a waste of the breath that you could be using to tell me whether you prefer Pokemon or Digimon, because that's something I actually give a fuck about. But anyway. Does anybody prefer Digimon? Um, I'd argue the cartoon might have been better, but the Digimon game the, is terrible. The, the, and that's what I'm basing. The Digimon cartoon off. has a more interesting narrative. Um, yeah. I, I prefer it's it like, for that. They're trying to save the universe in some degree, I think. Whereas Ash is just, I want to be the world's best dogfighting trainer. Yeah, my, uh, my dad left my mom and now she can't afford to have me, so to keep me. So at the age of 10, she sent me out into the world with nothing but a small animal with which to fight substantially larger animals. It's a weirdly specific genre of game that existed if you've ever played uh, the game um, if you're an American you listen to this I think it was called Sentinel or Sentinel over in the UK it was released as Solil which is uh, French for sunshine uh, but uh, I don't know why they changed the names but literally the plot of that is oh you're 12 now here's a sword go 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 on, go kill monsters which leads me to believe that the monster incursion in this universe has led to a finite number of resources and therefore, they need a system that is going to a get rid of monsters and b get rid of children. So, but that, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's in a fantasy setting that makes sense. But in the world of Pokemon, they have the internet, and it's still yeah. weird that parents are like, "Well, you're ten now. Time to go out and achieve your dream of becoming the world's best Pokemon trainer." But Dad, yeah. I want to be a doctor. No, there are no doctors in this world. All medical care is done by 128,000 nurses who all look exactly the same and have exactly the same name. Can't be a can't be a cop either because you're a boy. Yeah, you, and horrible um, discrimination you, you going to... on against men in the in the Pokemon universe. I would like to think that the so the only male that we ever see who's got any sort of like expertise or experience, you can become a professor or a scientist if you're a man. Yeah. Uh, but even then you have to be a really shit scientist and it's like hey kid I spent my entire life studying Pokemon here's my Pokedex I need you to go out and literally observe every single Pokemon <laughs> because I have apparently done nothing uh, I and what happens is every time I'm about to do some research another kid in this town turns 10 and he leaves and then I bang his mum and then just as I'm done doing that another kid turns 10 and I've still got no time to research and, ten, and then 10 years later it's by sheer coincidence some other kid pops out. <laughs> I'm going to put forward the argument that Professor Oak isn't. I don't think that. I reckon his name is Professor. Like that's his Christian, his given name. His surname is Oak, and his given name is Professor. And he never actually got any like actual 
like doctorate or anything like that because that would make a lot more sense. Do you want to know his real name? Oh, what is it? Samuel. <laughs> Samuel Oak. According to him, but he doesn't remember his own grandson's name. <laughs> yeah. Remember, he's like, this is my grandson. Oh, what do you call him? And then you go, oh, I call him Dick Nose. And he's like, oh, okay, this is my son, my grandson Dick Nose. And your grandson's like, look, granddad, we we understand it's getting bad, but we still like to visit you, but yeah. come on, man. I mean, we've, we've <laughs> spoken about this in the past, about how I hate it whenever video game articles are like, and obviously, with all these clothing options, the first thing you do is dress up as the most ridiculous character. It's like, no, I'm, no, no, no. So when I see people who are like, oh, I've named my character uh, Cunt Whap, uh, because at one point in the game, someone will say something that lends itself to that really nicely and it'll make for a really nice screenshot. And I'm like, yeah, but there's 300 hours left. Just call, yeah. just call the guy your own name. I originally played, um, when I originally played Final Fantasy VII, it was around my mate McGovern's, and obviously you've got the option to name all the characters, and we didn't realise, being like 12 or whatever the fuck we were, we didn't realise how sacrilegious it was to change the names in Final Fantasy VII. Yeah. So, and we didn't know who was going to be the main characters and not, so we ended up with, uh, Cloud was called Barber 52, <laughs> because my mate Anthony decided that he needed a haircut. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the other ones I can remember, uh, Red 13, we just called McBiff. Uh, <laughs> which someone, uh, someone undercuts from his tragic backstory, uh, when it's like revealed that his entire family got turned to stone. Uh, <laughs> you should, uh, you should name, uh, Aeris. Uh, Aeris is going to die. Aeris is going to die has died. Oh, uh, have you? Did you play the uh, the uh, re- remake of Final Fantasy VII, the one that like completely changes the storyline? Yes, I loved and, it up yeah. until the uh, the last boss, uh, which was too frustrating for me, and I became so furious at it that I swore uh, that I would never play <laughs> any of the other remakes of Final Fantasy VII uh, ever again. Because you know what, Eddie, I have anger issues, and uh, yeah. I need to get them looked at, but I, fuck, I, fuck that I boss, like, uh, and fuck the Final I, Fantasy VII remake for making it so um, hard. I, I'm fine with them changing things as long as they haven't changed it to chicken out and bring Ares back from the dead. But also, I was playing that game, and uh, Emma came in to see it, and she's like, oh, "Is this the Final Fantasy game?" And I was like, "Yeah." And she goes, uh, "And I like had to explain why it was such a big deal to somebody who doesn't know anything about games, and had to explain, oh, basically, Final Fantasy VII is." possibly the greatest video game ever made it's like perfection in terms of storyline and combat it's beloved to this day and she was like well why'd they have to remake it and i had to show her a picture of what final fantasy 7 looks like <laughs> and i was like the the graphics are poor to the point of unplayability that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> look his little square hands uh... uh star trek star trek yeah uh What's... pen pals is the episode yep um it's a. I gotta say, it's, it's a. Nothing really happens in this episode until we're about halfway through. No. Um, no. Uh, Picard. Picard. Picard rides a horse. Uh, and Diana compares Starfleet to Allah, uh, in a move that wouldn't possibly annoy anyone. Uh, Data <laughs> grooms a kid. Uh, yeah. It's an, an ugly kid with freakishly sh- long. I was going to say little finger, but I'm guessing Long they would finger. call it the big, uh, the big finger. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. <laughs> and uh, so yeah, yeah, it's it, 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 it's it's fine. It, it certainly existed. Yeah, it's a great example of writing a show with an A plot and a B plot. Yeah, but then not realizing that maybe both of those, one of your either your A plot or your B plot needs to start. Before the fucking intro, yeah. Because all you get is like, oh, we've been this system. These planets keep destabilizing. Oh, it's a bit red out there, and it's supposed to be like quite a dramatic moment because it had like a flourishing ecosystem. But I don't give. I've never encountered. I've never encountered this planet before. Like, if you point out the window and go, oh, that was Vulcan, right? I'll give a fuck. Yeah. Like I know. But this is just like it's just some random planet. This used to have plants on it, and now it doesn't. It's like, oh, I've seen. So did Mars. Yeah. So did like, so did like that fucking the park near me before the drought. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm not. 
I'm not certain that that's... But yeah, so anyway, it turns out that's going on. A date has been secretly communicating with a child. Yeah. Uh, which he didn't feel the For need eight to tell weeks? anybody about. Eight weeks. Yeah. And he didn't need to tell anyone about. And then they have a lengthy discussion about whether or not they have a right to break the Prime Directive to stop the planet becoming geologically unstable and saving like a, a race of people. Yeah. So shame they're not in the Kelvin timeline because they could have just checked the records and gone, oh, this is the exact opening of Star Trek Beyond. Yeah. Uh, we're fine to do this. <laughs> Kirk didn't get in any trouble. Yeah. No, no he, did, yeah. he didn't, did he, really? Spock popped him in. But... Yeah. Uh, do you have any interesting notes about this episode or should we just find a different subject to cover? Because this is essentially a nothing episode. The, the, the most interesting thing about this episode... Is that uh, Laura reckoned for a while that Patrick Stewart didn't know how to ride a horse because they show him preparing to ride the horse for quite a long time and then never actually getting on the horse. Which she yeah. suspected was, well, he's obviously put can ride horse on his acting CV, uh, but actually can't and now has to put his money where his mouth is. So, and also, um, has Picard just forgotten about Sun Tzu? Because he's now obsessed with horses, and he's just decided to make everything about horse wisdom. I've got, I've got in my notes, Picard is a horse girl, apparently. <laughs> uh, but it, and also, it's a lot like the 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 holodeck horse thing. Like they go back to it later, and it's like it's it's a day of shooting yep. that they had to get like three of the actors and a full crew out to the middle of nowhere for something that has no real relevance whatsoever. They also had to, to bring two separate horse riding costumes for Picard. They're not yeah. the, the two things he wears are not the same. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so um what uh, and uh, yeah, Diana says Betazoids don't like animals or riding animals because they're too psychic. <laughs> yeah. And like they're they're so psychic that it makes them bad at being psychic. Because they, they get they get overwhelmed in like the horse's problems. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's not that's not what Betazoids are. That is I think that is literally what the quickening is in Highland. Yeah. <laughs> um They put I mean I, I do wanna shout out the excellent O'Brien in in this. <laughs> so um, so yeah, to, to fully sum up that there are two plots. One plot is we need to do a geological survey of this entire system, and we've decided that because that's quite a, it's quite a, it's like a, something that's like important at a high level, but is also quite basic. Yeah. So we've decided we're going to put Wesley in charge of it, um, and it's like about Wesley, like trying to struggle with like the concept of should he like of how to be an authority figure. Wesley, FYI. Not even a proper cadet or ensign at this point, as far yeah. as I'm aware. Yeah, but but here's the thing. That's an interesting storyline to do in most things, but this is Starfleet, where like every single member of Starfleet is insanely professional. Yeah, and like does things by the book, no matter what. So it doesn't. They don't like have any like. Oh, there's a guy Davis who's maybe a little bit overbearing. And you think that's going to come to blows later on when him and Wesley have a disagreement about how they should go ahead with things. And then Wesley just orders him to do things his way. <laughs> he just uh, does it. And he just does it. Yeah. There's no argument. Yeah. I mean, I, I do like the fact that, like, like, can I just point out, Picard seems to like, 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 okay, look, okay, I get that horse people really like horses. Yeah. But Picard seems to like, really like horses. What, like, what are you getting at? I'm getting at that like Data is lucky when he went into the holodeck without asking, he didn't catch him fucking a horse. In, in like an Equus like, situation? I reckon that Picard regularly goes up to that fucking holodeck and says computer load program Mr. Hands. Uh, <laughs> which is a deep cut reference from the early days of the internet that some of you might remember. About a man who got fucked to death by a horse. Uh, so. Yeah, but presumably Picard would be the one doing the fucking. You don't know. Maybe he wants to like have a relax, let somebody else take the helm, so to speak. Do you think he has to smoke his relaxation light just before he goes in? What is the Star Trek equivalent of poppers? 
Uh, probably just like a really nice hypo spray. <laughs> just does himself on the neck. Just it's just Goes like aloe vera or something. Because I don't really. Know like, I'm really. I'm really glad I've got all the ones left over from Beverly because I'm not talking to Pulaski about this. <laughs> uh, Pulaski had some uh, had some good things to say in this one. Uh, she she had called Wolf made some prescient coward. Points. She called Wolf a coward to his face, <laughs> like right to his face while he's just standing there. We're like Klingon on him. He's like, well, now I have to fight you. Uh, <laughs> but no, yeah, she's kind of she gets on the side of like. So Data makes friends with a little child uh, and her entire civilization is going to die. Yeah. And then Picard eloquently defends the like prime directive. Yeah. Being like, well, if we're going to get involved for this, do we get involved for that or this or that? And then suddenly, you know, and then just as Data's going to go cut off communications with the little girl, uh, communication comes through and she's now like begging for somebody to save her. Yeah. And then Picard's like, well, that is a different kettle of We've specifically heard her asking for help now. I wonder how often do they have a what's a chance that this planet is the next Hitler meeting? Because that's kind <laughs> of what Picard is getting at, right? Like yeah. if we if we save them from from uh, a geological disaster, what's the difference between saving them from that and saving them from? War, and then if you have wars that are ideologies, are you, or if we save them from slavery, are we saving them from the, you know, there's a, there's a, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, lot of nuance. What if you arrive at a planet, you're Starfleet, but you don't have like the, the prime directive, right. you get there, and there's like, there's a full on holocaust going on, right? right? Okay. And so you, you intervene, right. and you stop that from happening, you take down the people who've got these people rounded up in the camps, okay? And then, it turns out that on this one planet, the people doing the Holocaust were in the right. Like, it turns out that that, that one group of people actually are fucking awful. Uh, like, you go down and go, like, you get down, you've, you've done everything. You go, oh, thank God we've done this. And, like, the people you've freed are like, oh, thanks for freeing us. That's fantastic. Anyway, do you want to come? We've got a baby roasting over a fire we're going to eat. It's like, oh, well, that's awful that you've been driven to that by the conditions in these camps. It's like, oh, no. No, that's just a thing we do. Uh... <laughs> oh, see, I thought you were going to go with... Uh, we get, so we get to a planet, and there's a holocaust going on, right? And... We, we we use the word holocaust a lot for what is essentially a Star Trek podcast. But the... <laughs> Essentially. <laughs> yeah, right, so there's, so there's some horrible shit going on, and... Um... Actually, I don't know whether I want to bring up this point, because I'm going to I'm, no, I'm I... start digging a hole here. <laughs> <laughs> but what if, what if there was an episode where Picard went to a planet where they were putting all the like political dissidents in camps and uh, it turned out that the reasons that they were doing it was basically for the exact same reasons like oh well you know they're in control of all the money and, and really the media if you, if you really think about it the media like it all just goes back to them <laughs> right and what if they were able to convince Picard that they were in the right <laughs> it's like oh really they control all of the finances on your planet you know, look, here's a list of everyone who runs a major financial institution you'll see all the names and similar yeah because so bears looking at doesn't it you you brought something <laughs> up the other night uh when we were talking which is like the, it's 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 a bit of a plot hole in time travel uh stories which is that if different if you go back in the in time and, and can change the past and time travel already existed, then that de facto proves that World War Two is the least bad situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a horrible like, idea. What, yeah, it's a horrible like. But whatever else we did would have turned out worse. Yeah, yeah. That's troubling. So let's just assume time travel doesn't exist. Yeah. Because the other because the other option is that in the future somebody with a time machine goes. If only we had done something about the Jews, right? That's which is which is a horrible yeah. uh, take on things. So let's just assume that that isn't the case, and just assume time travel is only possible as far back as when the first time machine was invented. And as we have to often say on this podcast, Eddie and I absolutely <laughs> do not support. 
uh, or agree with the tactics nor the ideology of the Nazis um, and the Holocaust is a demonstrably terrible thing that should never have happened yeah. as far as the rules if, of time travel go yeah uh, to be to be clear our stance is that, that the, the only the, the, the reason the joke works is because the Holocaust was the worst thing that ever happened. <laughs> that's, that's the if, it, if we didn't believe it was the worst thing that ever happened, then, then it wouldn't be that that yeah. that joke wouldn't work. Yeah, right. Our our point in this is 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 uh, has something that that say someone like Jerry Sadowitz doesn't have, which is context and uh, and, and, <laughs> and, and, a, and an actual point to it. Rather than just here's some card tricks and also my deck and some racial slurs. <laughs> you can't see anything these I, days. I I did see a thing the other day that I'd never seen before of somebody doing like a story where they said like about having when they saw Jerry Sadowitz live, and the joke that they were talking about does sound like it's genuinely fucking hilarious. Which was he uh, he had a table of hats at the back of the tape of the room, and he was talking about how like, that people get offended by what I say. So here's the deal. If, if I put a hat on, I'm a character. I'm saying something in character. So it's not me saying it, it's the character. And that's where the joke comes from. That's the humour is that that character is wrong. And that's why that's funny. So if I go over here, put a hat on, that's a joke. He then goes over to the table, picks up one of the hats that is the hat of an SS officer. <laughs> Walks back to the microphone and goes, so what are we going to do about the Jews? <laughs> <laughs> Now that is a genuinely good joke. Yeah, that is. Getting, good. Your, getting your dick out on stage, which was probably complained about by the actual employees of the venue rather than anyone who was in the audience. Yep. Because because even people working in comedy clubs have the right to a a, a dickless <laughs> work day. Yeah. <laughs> that's 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 going to be my new thing at work when people say like, "Oh, have a good day." I'm going to be like, "Have a dickless work day." Because I think that's the bare minimum you can you can wish people uh, in an office environment. But yeah, anyway, back to speaking of in an office environment, I want to discuss how amazing O'Brien is in his four or five lines of dialogue. Yep. O'Brien watch. When they've decided they're going to beam Data down to the planet so that he can rescue this one little girl. Uh, so they go into the... They send Riker down because it's very much one of those... Like the three of us in this room have made this decision. There's no reason to get anyone else in. So he walks in and goes, uh, O'Brien, take a nap. Uh, <laughs> you, you didn't see any of this. Yeah. And O'Brien walks away from the console, goes, leads against the wall by the door. He goes, right, I'll just uh, be over here falling asleep. <laughs> <laughs> then they beam data down to the planet and then Riker has to go. And he turns around and goes, uh, O'Brien, uh, do you know what's going on here? He goes, you know what you got to do here? He goes, oh, I've just woken up, sir. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is cla- uh, that is the classic working class hero that O'Brien is. Like Somebody much higher up the food chain is about to do something that is definitely illegal, but I also kind of agree with. Yeah. So I'm just going to be over here. It also O'Brien would ha- it brings with it the implication that this is far from the first time that Riker has had O'Brien take a nap. Because he seems yeah. to know exactly what to do. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think this is uncommon in Starfleet. I no. think usually it's Riker walking in with another fucking another Picard corpse. <laughs> <laughs> Did you notice um, Riker's uh, sexy lady friend that he was having a he was yeah, having a date the, with in ten forward? What's what's going on there? Yeah, is that yeah. allowed? That's not. Yeah, this is this is one of the issues that like how uh, one of those great examples of how society has progressed beyond what was seen as progressive at the time which is like that i get you're on a ship together and stuff but but no the second in command of the entire enterprise shouldn't be banging anyone. literally any member anyone of the of the crew maybe a civilian <laughs> yeah but definitely not a uniform yeah like although she the... was in blue and as we know scientists are the kinkiest <laughs> so I don't know, man. Yeah, the scientists have got to check every kink to see if they like it. That's the scientific method. Do you think she made them uh, dress up in that uh, outfit from that lady planet that he went to in season one? I imagine any time we don't see Riker... Like, I imagine that's what Riker puts on the minute he gets back 
like gets back oh, yeah. to his quarters. Oh, yeah. That's not true. He's naked. He's fully <laughs> naked. Watching those fully women naked. on a little hollow screen thing play in the half. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Look, all I'm saying is just once in all of Star Trek. Like, maybe we could do it in Strange New Worlds. I don't need to see exactly what it is. But can I see someone sat on the, like, sofa in their living quarters with a control pad? Yeah. Like, because it's not like, like, in the next decade or so, we're going to go, oh, no, turns out that entire art form was a waste of time. We're not doing video. Like, we still do opera. And nobody goes... It, like, that's subsidised by, like, the government and stuff like that which as an art form means it's not popular and a failure, which means it shouldn't exist. Um, yeah, but then that raises the question, like, the jump from interactive media, like, playing on consoles, the jump from there to holodeck is so much... Ah, but then I guess, in it, like, if you're just controlling things with your hands, you, you have the abilities... Like, because I guess being in the holodeck, you are limited to your own abilities. I don't know. I don't know. I suppose you could have, like, I suppose you could have a double jump. Like, you jump and then you just try to jump again in the air, and the holodeck registers that and moves you up. Yeah, but it, it, I don't would, know. it, would, it would be like that thing of. Um... I'd hate to be playing in the holodeck and, like, be like, oh, I'm. I'm like, playing as Legolas in Lord of the Rings, but I'm limited to being as good with a bow as I am. Like I'm on like I point the bow at the orc, I pull back, I let go, and the orc dies. Like that's I want that in the. I yeah, don't want I think you just can turn it on easy mode. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. It's because like maybe Picard doesn't know how to ride a horse. Maybe he's like one of these horse girls that just really likes horses, but can't actually yeah. go anywhere near one. So he just programs a very easy to ride virtual horse. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I guess so because it's like, but yeah, yeah, because yeah. But I could the thing is, I could still see like, like if the holodeck existed, I could still be seeing me wanting to. For example, right, video games now are a million times better than they were when the NES came out. Yeah. But I still occasionally go back and play Mario Brothers. Yeah. Because it's a banging game, like and Pac Man, I still play. Like people still play Pong. Every now and they then. They did tell us so, that what was it television. Oh, went yeah, out of fashion in the, tw- in the t- what the early 2030s so we've yeah. got five more years of that or whatever well we're past the golden age uh, oh yeah yeah we are that yeah, yeah so that's done uh, just uh, d- I, I imagine what's going to happen is when the early stages of the revolution mm-hmm. it's going to turn out that when we actually hang Murdoch he's got like a heartbeat monitor that's actually hooked up to all of the world's TV and when he dies, all of the TV just switches off. What if, uh, rather might than be a relief. <laughs> all TV, uh, all he does is erase from existence uh, the first ten seasons of The Simpsons? And any attempt that we make at telling our grandchildren that, no, there were earlier, far superior episodes of The Simpsons, they're just not available anymore... Because we, yeah. uh, because we, it's where... <laughs> we, we mark it's... a terrible, terrible man. <laughs> it's where all of the, uh, it's where all of, all of the memes come from. Yeah, that's why you never see Homer emerging from a hedge in any of the Simpsons episodes you've got access to. Uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, have you? Uh, yeah, exactly. They would think we just made them up for memes. They would think they were just badly drawn. <laughs> um, have you ever heard of the play? Uh, Mr. Burns. No. It's by... I want to say it's by Anne Rice, but that's not true. It's by Anne someone. Anne Washburn, maybe? Anyway, the point of this play is that it's after the po- it's after the apocalypse, right? Something terrible has happened. There's been some kind of giant natural disaster. We're all living in caves. The world is tits up, right? And mm-hmm. we are... We start in the immediate aftermath of the event with people just trying to survive and they're in a like a cave or a, like under rubble situation and the way that they pass the time is that they try to get as close as possible to what they can agree is the script of the Simpsons episode Cape Fear, the one where Sideshow Bob comes after the Simpsons on the houseboat. Okay, yeah. 
and uh, then the story progresses. Spoiler. So basically, what happens is that. Uh, the new currency becomes being able to trade accurate versions of pop culture uh, for all this media that has been lost. And we then start jumping forward and in like 200 years time, uh, high art, the way that we now view opera, the people in that world view um, very well recreated episodes of The Simpsons performed on stage. That's like the highest form of art. And uh, <laughs> I really like it. I, I don't, I don't particularly enjoy the rest of her plays, uh, but I, I really like that one. Actually, the Twilight Zone is very good as well. But uh, it, to, to me, it kind of read as like the, uh, the like how arbitrary like high art is, um, just based on it on it on its own prestige. But the way that they wrote it is really clever. So basically, she workshopped it by just locking four actors in a room and said you have two hours by the end of those two hours um i want you to have accurately remembered an, an entire episode of the simpsons whatever episode you choose so obviously one of them had to be like well the one i think i remember most is cape fear because it has some of the best jokes <laughs> and then they just yeah, built cape can, fear from it, that the the you oh, yeah i can give you two straight minutes from everything with homer uh being told that his name is Mr. Thompson. Yeah. Like that I could probably have that entire scene. When I say hello Mr. Thompson and press down on your foot. <laughs> I want you to say You smile hello. and nod. <laughs> you smile hello, Mr. Thompson. Mr. I, think I think he's, he's talking, talking to you. He's talking to you. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> uh, you reminded me of, of one of my all time favourite great movie scenes from a movie that's not great. Yeah. Which is um, I assume you have seen the fucking uh, actually no fuck it I'm going to stand by it it's a great movie uh, Reign of Fire oh one of Reign the of most Fire is a underrated movie. yeah one of the most underrated movies ever if you haven't seen it it's a post-apocalyptic like uh, like wasteland style movie but in this case the apocalypse was dragons yeah <laughs> right who were um, nesting a... under the London underground that's yeah. quite important uh, for the first three minutes yeah. of the film and never really yeah. mentioned again yeah and then is an important plot point that we call back to at the end of the movie yeah. but not in a way that is significant enough for it to anyway but there's a bit in that where there's two of the main characters I think it's Gerard Butler and Christian Bale's characters are in a castle uh, with a bunch of kids and they're entertaining the kids by recreating a story that Christian Bale's character claims to have written and it's a, a battle between a white knight and a black knight uh, and it's like you don't get what they're doing at first until Christian Bale's character, the White Knight, is knocked down. And so the Black Knight says, join with me and we will become more powerful than you could possibly imagine. Yeah. To which he replies, never, you killed my father. And you realise that they're just like in a world without like media. They're recreating Return of uh, Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just like, which is, yeah, that's fair enough. That's like, I can probably remember enough of that movie fairly flawlessly to do a retelling of it and also know that the kids would be this is the best story I've ever fucking heard uh... yeah, see, the, the, the thing obviously Star Wars is timeless and like Laura and I have recently been re-watching Lord of the Rings in preparation for uh, the Rings of Power now if you've been following my personal journey uh, throughout my life and learning to accept the fact that I basically don't give a fuck about any details about you sorry uh, you will also remember uh, that I hated Lord of the Rings, the movies. They're so boring and terrible, and I hate them, and I don't understand why anyone liked them. And then one time we decided, hey, just just to get through this, just so that this isn't like a bugbear in a relationship, let's try watching the theatrical versions of the movies rather than the extended ones. And it turned out that that was the problem, because the extended versions of Lord of the Rings are garbage films for toilet people uh they completely <laughs> sacrifice all good character development and editing um basically so that you can have things from the book that you might remember uh and uh, they're garbage but um when i watch lord of the rings i like to smoke along with lord of the rings <laughs> so anytime that someone talks about smoking weed i'll make myself another giant joint and the issue is that my commentary on Lord of the Rings after I'm stoned is always exactly the same. 
which is something famous will happen and I will pause it and I'll be like, do you think Peter Jackson knew that just having all of the characters walk between these two specific stones would become one of the most iconic images in the history of film, right? But the, the, yeah. the latest one that I've been doing, I've been switching it up a bit, right? Every now and again, I'll pause it and I'll be like, do you think that Jolkin, we call him Jolkin uh, in our house, Jolkin, uh... <laughs> Rolkin, Rolkin, Tolkien, right? I'll say, do you think that Jolkin knew when, when he when he when he realised that you had to start writing these stories down because his asshole kids are better at remembering details from the Hobbit than he was? Um, <laughs> do, do you ever think when he wrote down the dragon's eyes are green that he knew that he was starting quite possibly the greatest story ever told like lord of the rings might be the best story ever told in the history of stories um and what the fuck was my point uh yeah so like so like lord of the rings and and like star wars like those will last not only because you can translate them really into any setting right um, yeah. and, and you can you, you can really sort of adjust the characters a little bit. The problem is when they're like markets, you're like to entertain the kids, I'll be like, right uh, so we're in this castle, obviously there's dragons taking over, but, but kids let me teach you, you know, you're going to have to have some context here, so 1984 New York City, right? Reaganomics was happening, <laughs> uh, Ronald Reagan was, was this guy, right? And we Anyway um, there's these four scientists. Um, also, um, at the time, there was a lot of people who were concerned with government overreach in certain agencies. Um, yeah. Uh, specific, and and the, uh, the EPA uh, is the Environment Protection Service. Now, uh, oh, and also now- there were no dragons. <laughs> well, there was one dragon at one point, but it, it was fine. Anyway, don't worry about it. Um, also, you have to remember that all the prices that I'm going to say, adjust them for inflation, right? So... $5,000 would be closer to about, I don't know, like $20,000 today, right? Whatever. Also, also money was a thing. Uh, also money existed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh. Um, do you, this is something I've never seen in like a post-apocalyptic movie, and it seems like it should be a thing, was like, right, if the internet's going to go down, right, and physical media has sadly like long since gone. So like, wouldn't it be a like, an actual worthwhile like thing to barter with if you just like went into like the major cities and just took hard drives out of like not business PC like computers but people's home personal computers in the vague hopes that maybe this one would have that one episode from season eight of The Simpsons that nobody's got for some reason. Isn't right? that <laughs> kind of the plot of the film The Book of Eli? No, he just remembers the Bible. No, he, it's not that not... he remembers the Bible. It's that, one, he's blind, which I don't think you find out until the end of the film. Um, and two, he has a machete fight whilst blind, doesn't he? He has... Well, yeah, yeah a lot... Uh, more blind people would have complained about that, but most of them weren't able to see the film. So... <laughs> All of them, in fact, weren't able quite to possibly. see Quite possibly. <laughs> um, but the... Yeah, because the I guess the audio description would it be like anyway the blind guy fights this other dude with a machete, <laughs> um, but it really gives it away. But he has an iPod that has the Bible on it, and he listens to it every night. And you never really get to hear. I I can't remember. I, I I've never actually seen the Book of Eli all the way through. I've watched the first twenty minutes up until Gary Oldman appears, and then I'm like, eh, it's not going to get any better than this. So, <laughs> but he barters like he goes around bartering to for people to charge his iPod. Uh, I, so right. yeah, I think I think that would be a thing. I've started collecting physical media again because yeah, I'm getting I'm, a bit conspiratorial about them just deleting things forever. Well, the, it's not even conspiratorial. The like HBO Max just like completely. They didn't just take down a bunch of stuff. Like there's a, a cartoon show called Infinity Train, yeah. uh, and, and they not only took it off the service, they took the pilot off of YouTube. Yeah. Uh, they took all of the clips down. On, they have essentially erased any proof that... They've cut I think any you're footage gonna... of it out of other commercials that you can find yeah. on YouTube, from what I understand. Yeah, and it's apparently it's like... there's a. a, a we're going to put forward this as a genuine fucking argument. If you are going to do that to something, you give up the copyright. Yeah. Just If you don't think it's worth anything, then say it's not worth anything and let it be free. And like the people who created it upload it to their fucking YouTube channels. Yeah. You know, but yeah, it's, it's, mm, mm, yeah. It's bit of get, go back to getting stuff you like. Uh, oh, yeah, man. I'm, I'm, and, yeah, and like, I'm, I've, 
I think we, like there would be a huge black market in things like um, thirty-five millimeter film prints of things. Oh, because yeah, those are absolutely. those are untouchable. Like you can't like uh, yeah, they might as long as you're keeping them, as long as they're in a warehouse in like a fairly climate stable place, like they'll last well, they, and they, last and last and last and last, right? They keep a lot of that stuff down there. That shit's going to get raided. Which is also probably one of the best places to survive the zombie apocalypse. Where? Like, like down in a disused salt mine. Yeah, like, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because have you? It's, did you see a while back? Your somebody, chips will always so be back tasty. When, <laughs> back when, back when uh, Alien, um, uh, Alien Isolation, the game came out. The one where it's like there's one alien on the ship hunting you down. Yeah. Right. Somebody who worked at like a Google uh, data center was like, uh, I'm, fi- I'm playing this at work. Is this the worst possible place you could play this? And it's like a, a picture of the screen and it just looks down like a long corridor where yeah. the lights are off. Yeah. And then somebody was like, oh, I actually work at a movie storage facility at a salt mine. This is the worst place you could possibly play this game. <laughs> and it has that and it was like way scary. And then eventually somebody was, somebody was like, well, I'm I'm playing it on board the International Space Station. <laughs> and, it's like, and that was what we're being like, are you insane? Yeah. You are going to give yourself... Because if I knew you were playing that on board the International Space Station, I'd be like on the phone to... Like, I'd be on the, well, let's go down to NASA. Look, this is going to sound weird, but I need someone to bring up a xenomorph mask. <laughs> <laughs> is there a place on board this station we can all hide from Steve? Uh... <laughs> but... Um, yeah, I could totally see that being what I do in a zombie apocalypse. Just mooch around, like, trying to nick fucking hard drives out of places and just say, like, let's just have such and such. Because I'd love to yeah. know what, like, what I... file format is Netflix's stuff, like, they have data centers. What are they in? Is it is it MP4? Or, uh, yeah. like, they dot AVI? Is it? Probably they, they own... Yeah, that's annoying, isn't it? But I could bet VLC will play them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> yeah, I always thought that in a in an apocalypse situation where I survived, I would be the guy who runs the bar where it's like leave your weapons at the at the front door, gentlemen. Uh with the the truth the, the truth is in effect in here. And then at some point yeah. the hero of the film would come up and he'd fucking grab me by the collar and he'd throw me up against the back of the bar. And he'd be like, "You don't understand. You've always been on the side. You, you've always been had to pick a side. Like you just, you just haven't realised it yet." And I'd be like, "Oh fuck, okay, John or Jack. Your name's probably Jack. Uh, yeah, Jack. No, you're <laughs> right." And then I'd have to start kicking. Not the Nazi. I mean, I, I don't think I would. Let, I would let the Nazis and the and the. Well, that's well. Here's the thing. So in a post-apocalypse situation, <laughs> I, and yeah. this this isn't this this isn't going to are the Nazis really that bad? You know, perspective-wise. Um, but please don't cut that out for the for the trailer on on Facebook or whatever. Um, <laughs> but you know, if you run a, a post-apocalyptic bar, like some of the gangs you're going to get in are going to be cannibals. Oh yeah, no, yeah, I'll give you that. Are you, you know, are you? I can't. I don't know. Are you? Are you allowing that? Probably not. Well, okay, right? let me. <laughs> but you, you. But at okay. the same time, you also kind of don't really want to piss off the cannibals well you don't want to piss off the cannibals but you also don't want to just have like you don't want just to become a certain gang affiliated bar because then you just get them like you you, yeah. you do want it to be open to travelers you do want it to be a place where gang leaders can come and parlay or whatever you want to become a respected member of that community essentially yeah because you and that means 35 I- mil Film prints of Monsters Inc. or whatever. <laughs> and part of protecting the original Pixar back catalogue is, unfortunately, you're just going to have to accept some light cannibalism. Uh... <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> but no, yeah, you're right. I think go, going around and getting media, like that's a, that's not a bad idea. Yeah, there's something in it. Yeah. There's like a concept for something. I'm not going to ex- elaborate on it anymore because that's just sort of occurred to me. That's mine. Because uh, <laughs> I have dreamed for years of making a proper, like, as I, I want to make a zombie movie that's not like one story. It's like an anthology, but it's all set in the same zombie time period. And yeah. I've got a bunch of little short stories that sort of fit together in that. Nah, don't but, do that. Fuck that. You, you make, just, do, cause the, make, just make this one story the feature. Just someone going from town to town looking for media. 
Because people yeah. would be interested in that. It'd be a, it'd be a new take on quite a quite a dying. Yeah. Like there's no new ideas in zombies anymore. Yeah, have that. No. Yeah, do that. Trademark Eddie Edwards and Mark O'Neill. <laughs> oh, the real name gets busted out now as a trademark situation. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, look. It's, this is enough an episode of Star Trek. It's, yeah, uh, we, don't, don't even bother. Um, yeah, it's, you get nothing from it. It doesn't add anything to your life to have seen it. You, you will, the only bit of this episode that's worth watching, you will already have seen just from searching Chief O'Brien's best bits on YouTube. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I was like, I was, I was kind of up for this episode. The opening credits ran, and then we had a conference meeting where everybody talked about Wesley, and I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> uh but yeah, like I say, no conflict really happens there. Yeah, uh, he, he he does very well with the job yeah, given to him, as you would. Good. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm, I'm giving him a promotion. Good job, Wesley. <laughs> he gets a promotion, and I will stop ignoring him in the corridors. That's that's <laughs> what I'm promoting Wesley to. I will commit his name to memory. There you go. Yeah, well done. I'll Wes. remember whether he had a dog or not. <laughs> and sometimes I'll ask him how his dog's getting on, even though I know. <laughs> That is just a fell time. I do not care. <laughs> I thought he was going to say, even though I know it's dead. And I'm just bringing it up to hurt him. <laughs> it was a nice dog you had there once, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Shame what happened to it. But <laughs> engineering's no place for a hound, Wes. You should have known that. <laughs> yep. Don't be, don't be having a dog in a room when Chief O'Brien uh, doesn't have any more chips <laughs> to bet on in poker. Because he'll just say that it's his. Because what, 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 how are you going to prove that it isn't? Exactly. Yeah. Have you got a pain stick? No. <laughs> You're on the floor complaining. That dog's exploded. <laughs> Up the raw. Uh... <laughs> when um, yeah. when 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 uh, Data beams back onto the Enterprise with that little girl, um, O'Brien isn't very happy about it. But I think the main reason that he isn't keen on it is that she's orange. <laughs> yeah, as a, yeah. As a complete side note, real fuck ugly alien design they went for in this one. Yeah, uh, good job. Could have just done some nose bumps or something, but fuck it, L- extra long little finger. I d- don't see the evolutionary advantage of that. That's it doubles as a straw. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Cheers for listening. Thank you for listening. Bye bye. Yeah. Bye. The Captain's Slog is performed by Mark O'Neill and Eddie Edwards. You can follow both of them on Twitter and Instagram. Mark's at RealMarkO'Neill and Eddie is at Ed Edwards Comedy. If you like the podcast, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter and now on YouTube at Captain's Slog. And we have a Facebook page as well. Or if you really like what we do here, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Captain Slog. <laughs>